So I think we should start this interstitial with an apology for missing the June 2nd episode. I refuse to apologize. It is becoming a tradition for us to just take a day off in the middle of the summer at some point. Yeah, it's never expected and uh, we never intend to. It just gets to a point where it's like, oh, we're busy doing something or like this last one. The month of May just got away from us and then the next thing we knew it was June 2nd and we also had family obligations on June 2nd and like I said, May got away from us. Particularly (laughs) the last week where it was just like brain meltingly hot and humid. I didn't even realize May was almost over. I thought we had a full week before our next episode was due and i was like oh shit it's the first yeah and with work schedules that we had we could not get it out on the second we just said "Eh, fuck it look it sounds like a bunch of excuses and it is we do this podcast for like no money and not for like no money for no money and out of the goodness of our hearts to help you decide what you should watch on television and youtube and the internet uh, that's what we're, we're providing a service and sometimes roughly every year we have a little bit of burnout and we say yeah we can skip an episode yeah Though I do object to you dictating what's in my heart. It's not goodness. I do not do this out of the goodness of my heart. I have none there. So then what's the motivation? It kills boredom. Mm, fair enough. Mm. So this is an interstitial. Do you want to talk about Tears of the Kingdom? Because that's all I've been doing. That's a, that's a lie. I've been doing something else as well. Yeah, that's mostly what I've been doing as well. Apparently, I'm very far behind everybody else like in my friend group. Oh, Every, so am I. So far behind. But that's because I choose to actively avoid doing any quest thing ever in any video game. Oh, you're still way ahead of me, though. Oh, yeah, that's because despite the fact that I'm not doing any quest things ever, I am exploring the world a lot, which gets me a bunch of shit. So, if you're not aware, Tears of the Kingdom is the sequel to Zelda Breath of the Wild, which was definitively the best game in the Zelda franchise, but not the the best Zelda game. Yeah, I would say about that. Tears of the Kingdom is now the best game in the Zelda franchise, but still probably not the best Zelda game. Yeah, because objectivity and subjectivity. We've talked about that before. Yeah. Go listen to that interstitial. Objectively, I would say it is the best Zelda game. Subjectively, I gotta disagree, though. Mm-hmm. Tears of the Kingdom, been a lot of fun. I like the tri-layered map. In some ways, that really reminds me of A Link to the Past. Yeah, kind of. With, like, the time-separated map. Mm-hmm. But this is, you got a sky map, ground map, and the depths. Yeah. And they each have, like, their own unique stuff going on, mm-hmm. and it's a lot it's of fun. Neat. Yeah. I I do hate the fact that in the depths, everything's fucking pitch black. I hate that the depths has little crocodile things that eat my lights. Oh, those are no problem. Oh, yeah. They're super easy to kill. They just eat my lights. Yeah. I just, I don't use seeds. I don't use bright balloon blossoms. What? I don't use bright balloon blossoms. Maybe that's why you're having problems with the depths being dark. Think about it. No, like that's, my issue isn't that it's, I can't see to play when it's dark or whatever. Because I, I don't explore an area if there's not a light route activated. That's why I have so many light routes activated. I just am annoyed by the darkness. It's like, Do you just wander aimlessly till you find it? I fly directly to it. Every time. Direct line of path. Go. How? What are you talking about how? How? How what? Is there a light route at each of the statues? Is no. that what? And how do you know where the light routes are? You can see them off in the distance. Can you? Yeah. I've been playing this game entirely wrong. They are a slight light off in the distance and I just pick one and head towards it. Okay then. Well. And uh, no, for me, it's because that area just makes my brain go, oh, this is a map. Like the gameplay experience of it is the same of opening up a map. And I hate that. I hate that that is part of the gameplay of it to me. Because mm. I hate and it's a thing that exists in Tears of the Kingdom and Breath of the Wild and it exists in so many other games. I hate having to open up my map. I hate having to discover it. Oh, so like Assassin's Creed, Horizon. I hate it. I hate it. And it's the first thing I will do in any game so it's out of the fucking way. And the depths is just, here's an even more map. And the map also exists in your gameplay and your experience of the game. Mm-hmm. So I don't do the depths that often because they just piss me off because they are a thing. They are more of a thing I already dislike, basically. So for me, I like Tears of the Kingdom. I do. It's a great game. And I understand why so many people are like giving it 10s out of 10s. This is the best yeah. game of the year. And I, I, I solidly expect it to win game of the year. Yeah, 
Absolutely. It's going to be the goatee. For me, not so much. No. I can tell you exactly why. Yeah. It's the same reason why like I enjoy playing Minecraft with friends, mm. but I hate Minecraft by myself. It's because the game has like, it has a whole bunch of things, but it doesn't focus you on anything. It doesn't have enough direct linear structure. There isn't like something pushing me in a direction, so I just... You can do all the main quest stuff, but with the way the world's built, it feels like you are wasting a lot of value of what you paid for the game. And a lot of the actual good value of the game that is still enjoyable, but it feels like you're wasting a lot of that value by directly doing all of the quests. Yeah. Right uh, I, it's just weird because like, I like open world games and I like games like... I love The Witcher, and mm -hmm. I'm enjoying Cyberpunk right now. And, like, in some ways, those games are also open-world games. But those games also feel more lived in than Breath of the Wild does. E Anytime I interact with an NPC, one, they're only ever, like, really in set locations. You might find one or two wandering. They are of no interest to talk to. Mm -hmm. They hardly ever affect things. Like, yeah, you talk to them. Sometimes you'll see red text pop up, but it means you don't have to pay attention to them. Sometimes I have, a, like, a tiny quest associated, like, mm -hmm. make this sign stand up or pick up these plushies in a certain amount of time. Yeah. And it makes them feel very unimportant. There's just something about both Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom where NPCs do not feel important and the world feels vastly, vastly underpopulated. Hyrule feels so empty. It did in it's Breath of the Wild. It's so empty. The Witcher is an empty is an empty world. Like yeah. it's a lot of wilderness. But when you get to a town it, it feels like a lived in town. Yeah. Or even when you're wandering the world you're gonna, sometimes you'll find some fucking people on carts or bandits or something. And in Cyberpunk, the, the, the city has so many people that sometimes my frame rate drops from like eighty to twenty and I, I mm -hmm. and it goes <laughs> Yeah, and it bothers me, and I realize that it's probably a thing that shouldn't bother me so much, but my brain just goes, feels fake, which I mean, it is. It's a made-up video game. It breaks immersion, yeah. and like, I'm not one to be like, immersion is everything, no, no, no. If I, if, I was, if I was an immersion is everything kind of guy, D&D &D wouldn't be yeah. like the tabletop role-playing game I played the most in my mm -hmm. life. But D&D &D wouldn't be the role-playing game I played the most if it was all about immersion. Yeah. Because D&D &D is painfully unimmersive at times. Oh, yeah. I still love it. I still love storytelling with my friends, which is why I like D&D &D and VTM and all those other role-playing games. Because I like the act of campfire story building, but with mm -hmm. a little bit of structure like... Yeah, no, I completely understand that. Because campfire story building can be fun. Oh, yeah. Like, that's what the role-playing guild is. Mm -hmm. But even that has a little bit of structure to it. Everybody gets a character. and like, yeah. But that's what I love about it. You want to know what bothers me about part of the structure of Tears of the Kingdom and the fact that there are so few NPCs? Yeah, go ahead. We wander around the map fucking everywhere, right? Yeah. yeah obviously. Mo most problem. of what my gameplay has been. But because they introduced the construct these things element to the game, they're like, well, we need people to have things. So they put out these resources that ostensibly, according to the lore of the game, were set up by Princess Zelda so people to rebuild shit, which implies that people would have been building stuff around there, but there's no one even attempting to rebuild anything none of these things are being used by anyone but you mm -hmm. and you're just wandering around and you have all these vast empty areas and it's just like hey here's this little platform with some planks and woods and posts and it's just like no one else uses this so i was I, like so many of the areas also they're not around like destroyed village or anything it's just like random field here's this thing and it's like what what are you rebuilding there's nothing here so that's that emergence type of stuff i'm trying to remember what the actual term for that is little narrative dissonance yeah that's a, that's little narrative dissonance for instance the two games i've been playing most right now are tears of the kingdom and cyberpunk 2077 yeah. cyberpunk is currently on sale on epic for thirty dollars and you get a twenty five percent off discount as long as you have an epic account so it was twenty four dollars yeah, after which tax you kind of need to have an epic account to buy games on epic so i don't know if you would get the discount code i assume you wouldn't get it if you just made it yeah but if you already have an epic account you have the discount code so it was twenty four dollars to buy cyberpunk i've been waiting to buy it on sale and this is the cheapest it's been yeah so i downloaded it i've been playing it here's the difference in tears of the kingdom you have these little stations where there's like wood and pillars and wheels and stuff ostensibly so people could rebuild yeah people that don't exist there 
and seem to have no interest in using any of these materials. In Cyberpunk, you have these stations throughout the town, throughout the, throughout the city of Night City, where you can go up to them and you just put objects that you no longer want in them, yeah. and it gives you money, right? Yeah. And like this is ostensibly a way in-game to take all the guns and shit you get from killing gangsters and turn that into cash. Yeah. But it's also like a flavorful thing in the world where people can like, everyday citizens, and there, there are citizens around there, you see people walk up to them and interact with them when you're not, because... Yeah. Cyberpunk is a lived, feels lived in. Which like, is good. Like, I want to play in a game that feels lived in. Like, don't get me wrong, him. great to fuck around in, fun mechanics. It is not a game I play for story, even the overarching story. Like, I've already done one of the big story things for people playing the game or know about the game. I already have all of the dragon's tears. Why? Because they were a collectible that I had to wander around the map for. So that's, that's so a I big thing. I got them out of my way. I'm enjoying Tears of the Kingdom. I'm enjoying playing it. But it really is a collectible fest. It, like, yes. everything about Tears of the Kingdom is like, oh what do i want to do today i'm gonna go collect light blessings from shrines i'm gonna go finish unlocking all my towers so my Mm. map's finished i'm gonna go collect korok seeds like i'm gonna go collect dragon's tears i'm gonna go do light roots like all of these um the fucking gotcha pond for zonai devices all of these things are like they make up a game that is fun and worth playing but they're all individual collectible driven things not story driven and like i know that there's a cool story for tears that you know i'm kind of following along with it right now Mm -hmm. but but there's nothing making me like go from story point to story point. I don't even know like when I do start doing story stuff from story point to story point if it's going to play out in order because it did it in Breath of the Wild and that drove me fucking insane. If you wanted to play in order, you have to do everything in the order that it slightly nudges you. So you have to go to the temples in the order. It tells you you have to be fucking lucky to pick up the dragon tears in the right order because they give you flashback memories of shit. Yeah, I hated that in Breath of the Wild. The memories were so out of sequence mm-hmm. and I get it from a canon standpoint. Yeah, no, like it's linked remembering stuff at different points. Mm-hmm. In this game, that's not the case though and in like this game though it still technically makes sense mm-hmm, i know but like but it does bother me still the story like actively like couldn't they have just actively just checked how many dragons you had and played the next yeah, one yeah when you line? have five dragon tears play this one no you definitely could have but they just didn't want to do that I- i'm sorry i'm complaining about tears of the kingdom so hard i had this conversation with our friend the other night because he's talking about how tears of the kingdom is like his favorite game mm-hmm. in a long time and i'm like yeah that's cool and we were talking about like what we liked about it he's like you don't seem as enthusiastic about it as I am. And I'm like, I'm not. Yeah, I enjoy the game, but I am not as enthusiastic about it as you are. And like, like that's why I was okay with waiting until like, after Gen Con to buy it. Mm-hmm. Like, if GameStop hadn't ran a deal where you could have got it for 20 bucks, yeah. I still wouldn't be playing Tears of the Kingdom. He's like, I know from my experience with Breath of the Wild that this isn't a game I'm going to fall in love with. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a game I like, but it's not going to be a game I love. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, It is definitely an enjoyable game, but as I've stated many times to you and our friends, and I think I've mentioned a few times on the podcast before, I am a big story game. And this definitely has better story than a lot of other Zelda games do. So that's kind of a lie. No, I think Majora's Mask, Twilight Princess, Ocarina of Time. Wind Waker. Maybe A Link to the Past and uh, Link's Awakening all probably have stronger stories. Yeah, that's why I said that's a lie. I was literally just thinking Breath of the Wild. It has a slightly stronger story than Breath of the Wild. Maybe even Skyward Sword. I don't know. I never played Skyward Sword. Yeah, neither have I. I've just seen like video stuff about it. It has better story than a lot of big AAA games recently. Fair enough. But I don't care that much still, which feels bad because I just just feel like if the game structured its story better, I would enjoy the overall game more. It doesn't provide its story in a way that makes me feel involved in 
in the story. Mm-hmm. And as a, as a video game, that's what I want. If I want a story where like I feel like an outsider to the story, that's what books and TV are for. Yeah. If I want a story where I feel like I'm an active participant in the story, that's why we have video games. If I wanted a game where the story was only because I picked up things, I would just play... Katamari Damacy? Katamari Damacy is a good joke answer. But I was going to say something like Dark Souls or Elden Ring, where you literally pick up collectibles, read a bit, and get an actual story. Yeah, okay. Because otherwise, what it feels like is like, here's this huge briefing, because you picked up this fucking umbrella fucking court page in Resident Evil 1. And now that you know this weird thing that this company is doing, you can go run around and just shoot zombies because it feels very much like if that's how Resident Evil was built, you would have no idea what's going on. The story doesn't matter. You just get attacked by zombies for some reason. Yeah. And I mean, a little bit. That's how Resident Evil 1 does play out. But you actually have actual story, which the story is, yeah, you're getting attacked by zombies, but also save your fucking friends and figure out what killed these people. And try to get out of this fucking mansion. Yeah. It's a very self-contained story, but at least there's a story there. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Tears of the Kingdom, assuming the except for the very end and the very beginning, most of the story does not involve Link really in any way. And he most, might get mentioned. And most of the stuff you as Link are doing serves no purpose to the story. Yeah. It doesn't like move the story forward. It just makes you mechanically better. And sometimes it doesn't make you mechanically better. Sometimes it just makes your map bigger or like Or like, look, you've got an iron side an iron mushroom. Or sometimes it's even like, oh hey, you got new clothes. I'm glad those clothes matter to like the story in any way, shape, yep, or form. Definitely. Especially because I don't know if this is gonna continue being the truth. Most of the clothing I found so far has very similar ranges of defenses. Like Yeah, uh, that varies when you start to level things up with fairies. Some things okay. increase more, some things don't. It depends on if it has an attached ability to it really okay everything's like defense two to four yeah i have some things maxed out so two articles of my clothing are sitting at 20 okay okay mm-hmm. uh, okay never mind that makes sense then i guess it just but it feels actually, weird a thing that i thought of when you were talking about doing quests and stuff yeah and it kind of didn't really feel like you were a part of it is that so one you definitely don't really feel like you're part of the narrative because it's all exposition happening around you link is not a major player in it and you as a character are not affecting the story in any major way you are just experiencing it which that makes me think of another thing i'll mention in a moment okay but the first thing is you know what really makes you feel like you're definitely involved in the story Sarcasm. Hint, hint, note the sarcasm there. Okay. So often in this game, still, much like in Breath of the Wild, you'll walk up to someone mm. and in the first game, it makes sense. You walk up to someone like, oh, who are you? Because it's been hundreds of fucking years. So people living now do not know who you are. Yeah, you took a big nap. Even though you are this big hero, you are the princess's bodyguard. Link got eepy. Yeah. Whereas everyone in this game seems to know who Link is, but none of them recognize you. Well, well, some, some people do. Yeah, but so many of them don't recognize you, but they'll talk about you. And then the moment you walk up, they're like, what a great way to make it feel like your character doesn't actually matter by literally telling them from characters in the game that they do not matter. My favorite is when you interact with characters who you definitely interacted with in Breath of the Wild. And then they have no idea who you are. And they, yeah, like, I'm sorry. That just, mm-hmm. yeah. What a great way to tell your players that your character does not matter than to do it directly to their fucking face. Yeah. And make it seem like a joke. I like Zelda. I like the, I like Zelda games a lot and I really enjoyed Breath of the Wild and I'm enjoying Tears of the Kingdom but I don't think it's as perfect as people make it out to be oh no I would agree it's fun and I enjoy it greatly like playing it yeah it's a fun game to play but sometimes it just like gets really sloggy and like I I lose motivation to play and it's at that point where I turn it off which might make it the perfect game actually (laughs) now that I'm thinking about the fact that the game gets to a point where I'm just like hmm no. No, I'm good. I, I think I'll chill for now. Because that that's important to my brain because sometimes I don't get that. Like the other day I was playing Cyberpunk and it was 10 hours later and I was like, yeah. oh shit, it's 10 hours. 
hours later. Well, it's also the nice thing of like sometimes I want to play a video game, but I also want to listen to a podcast yeah. or say an audiobook. Yeah, I and can't do that while playing like a game that has active story elements no, so going. I can easily do it there. But you know what else? The way the game presents itself makes me think of what's that? A RPG system written some mechanics, and then the story of the world is just about things that have already happened. Is here's my world. Please don't touch. <laughs> It feels like that. The only thing in this world that you really touch to the story that matters are the boss fights. And it feels like those only exist because it's the same as like why the mechanics exist in an RPG that you're not supposed to actually play. Because all the cool things have already happened in the world is already existing the way it's supposed to. And you're not supposed to do anything with it. Yeah, yeah. Boss battles only exist for the same reason you only wrote ice in, the, in those. They have to. It kind of is really the perfect video game assault, like video game rendition of here's my world. Here's my cool world. Please don't touch it. It's so true. Jesus Christ. That's how fucking rough the wild and the kingdom feels prison to me it's like look at the cool world i made please don't touch it and if you do touch it it's okay because everything resets every 30 days when there's a blood moon yeah no it's literally please don't touch my world fine if you fucking must but it's not gonna matter they even all the cool shit's already happened they even wrote a way to reset the world into the game you can't do anything to stop it jesus christ it's literally a dm being like this is my cool world you can't do anything to it yeah to which my brain just goes write a fucking book for posterity's sake, I'd like to point out that, that statement in comparison broke Josh, but it also seemed to have broken audacity at that exact same point. Just because so we can get it on the audio. Could you have roasted Nintendo any harder? Like, honest <laughs> to fucking God, could you have roasted them any harder? Like, they make this cool-ass game that everybody's loving. It's 10 out of 10s all around, perfect scores. And you're like, really feels like you're the DM who said, here's a cool world. You can't do anything to it, though. Please don't touch it. But if you must, I guess you can. It doesn't matter. I already did all the cool stuff anyways. And anything you do is just going to uncover that story in retrospect. Like, you're not going to do anything that actually affects the story. It's all already happened. Yeah, the other thing you're actually going to do, I guess, is defeat the boss and get the very end of the story. But, I mean, it doesn't really feel like you're affecting that. God, we're roasting Tears of the Kingdom so hard for a game that is being given perfect scores. It's a fun game, but it's not a fun story. Yeah, I don't even know if I'd give it a 10. It's probably somewhere like the 8, 8.5 ballpark for me. It's... Very good. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's a really good game. I would not say it does story well. For me, it's not even going to be the goatee. I already no. know. I already, I already know a game that I played this year that I like more than Zelda, and nobody's going to agree with me. And it's Dredge, that little game. I haven't played Dredge. I don't know that, that little little masterpiece. I mean, I've seen a lot of people playing it on Twitch. So yeah, it's just an indie darling, and huh. uh, it deserves a nine out of ten easy. Understandable. That said, Cyberpunk has been my addiction the last few days. Mm-hmm. Cyberpunk is the first game in a really long time that made an NPC that I cared about and then murdered them. Yeah. It made me feel real heartbreak for my my murdered NPC buddy. Sucks to be you. Maybe you shouldn't like the NPCs they make for you. They purposely designed a character for you to like and then killed them. Weird. Would you say they told a story yeah, about the character and they, you kind of felt like you got to interact with it? They did. They definitely did. Honestly, this is the first character since Rost, Aoi's father in Horizon Zero Dawn that I cared about. And you only get to know him for like an hour before he dies. It'd be like if Outer Worlds killed Parvati after you like did half her story quests with her and then she just died because Parvati is the best companion in Outer Worlds. I know you no, haven't played that either. I'm pretty sure she existed in Racist Wizards books and is only used to make a love interest jealous. I have no idea what you're talking She's about. She's one of the two people that Ron slash Harry goes with. I don't remember which one goes with which. To the Triwizard Ball in book four. Is that the name of the French girl? No, the French girl is Fleur Delacour. Ah. Uh, 
Havarti's one of the other Gryffindors, or she's like Cho Chang's friend or some shit. Can you not say that? That sounds insanely racist. What? Cho's name. Can you just... Her name is very racist. You aren't wrong. Yeah. (laughs) Can we just... Her name is Cho. Like... Okay, yes. Cho. I think... No, she's not one of Cho's friends, because Harry's trying to make Cho jealous. I don't fucking know. It's been forever since I've read those books, and I don't want to reread them. I get the urge to reread them, and they're like, yeah, but I have to buy buy them from somewhere. No. do Do we have all seven? I believe so. I don't think we have Hallows or Half. We may not, but we have most of them. Yeah, and I want to read the... I'm not going to pay any money to read six or seven. Understandable. Um, So I'm just not going to touch them. I've still never seen the seventh movie. Neither have I. No, the, sorry, the eighth movie. I saw the seventh movie in theaters, but... I've seen neither of the Deathly Hallows movies, and I don't care. Yeah. I haven't cared to ever see them. I have never gone out of my way to watch a Harry Potter movie after the third one. I only went to see the seventh movie in theaters because my girlfriend at the time and some of her friends wanted to see it. And mm. so we all went together. And honestly, I hadn't read the books in so long, and I forgot what happened in book six. I only read it once. And I hadn't seen the six films, so I had no idea what was going on in movie seven. Yeah, it was a fun experience. I had popcorn and a drink. Those are good. And I, I had I mixed the little chocolate raisins in my popcorn, so they're kind of melty. That's a bad time. It's a great time. It's a bad time. But, yeah. I think it's melty and bad. you have any more you want to talk about with Tears of the Kingdom? No, I was perfectly fine leaving that topic behind, because I've made all the statements I can. I enjoy the game, but I also have some issues with the game. I feel like we have and a I feel lot. like I went too hard on them, and now I feel kind of bad. <laughs> You should. You roasted Nintendo so hard. But so accurately. It's not wrong. It's just... It's just so accurate. It's just rude. (laughs) It's not wrong. Just rude. Like most of the times when I'm rude, I'm not attempting to be rude. I am attempting to describe something with pinpoint clarity and accuracy, and I do it. It just ends up being rude, because apparently... Nailing something to a T, to way too close of a T, can be startlingly rude. Yeah, especially when you're out saying good things of the thing you're comparing. Like, anyways. <laughs> but I'm not wrong. My comparisons are accurate, like 100%. Anyway. They're just mean, spirited, I guess. Never on purpose. So other than Tears of the Kingdom, anything else with you? I mean, arguably. I know we've both been vaguely watching Doctor yeah, Who. Yeah, exactly. Doctor like, Who. That's kind of it okay so let's talk about doctor who i we, also finished listening to all of the dresden files I oh believe, let's talk about dresden files recording. first oh yeah let's do that dresden files how's dresden how's the dresden files how'd you enjoy those jim butcher good author not not a racist wizard writer man no i just don't want to talk about it because you were sounded way too happy about it <laughs> and i feel like if i'm like accurate but rude again it'll upset you it won't i know you don't love them as much as i did did they're good books they are definitely good books i have big problems with the magic system it's a good magic system but my brain goes anyone who thinks about this magic system especially people using the magic system who feel overly arrogant but also understand the magic system to the degree that i understand it because they've explained it to that degree should be able to abuse and break their magic system so easily and they're all just like nope Dre- literally the only thing holding back anyone in this series is ingrained belief yeah but they've overturned other ingrained beliefs they just refuse to get rid of the one that is a power limiter for them yeah feels bad man eventually dresden will overcome that and he'll be the first super saiyan <laughs> No, he won't. No. See, you can't really upset me if hate for Dresden Files because Dresden Files are filler. The entire books oh, yeah, are no. something to listen to or read while you're not listening to or reading other books you'd rather be listening to or reading. Like the fourth book in the Gentleman Bastard sequence yeah. or the third book 
book in the Kingkiller Chronicles. You know, these things that don't exist yet. Or any more of the Stormlight Archive because I don't have them to read or listen to and I need to get on that. Yeah, but it's like that. Like, I, I don't feel bad if you don't like the Dresden Files. Like, I, I understand it. Especially, no, I, I think they're enjoyable. I just like that my big problem is the magic system and the fact that nobody's abusing the magic system correctly. Well, that you was a royal, was like a general you yeah. because it, especially if you stop after like book two or three, I'll be like, oh yeah, no, 100%. Especially if you stop after book four, I think it was. That's fair. I think book one and two, like, really, like, test your will. Like, are you willing to dive into this series and give it an honest chance? Because those first two books, they're good books. They're good stories. But being Dresden, being the point character. Yeah, Dresden's a feel-bad moment most of the time. Dresden. Oh, Dresden. Yeah. But, like, <clears throat> as far as the structure for the stories go, it is a modern noir revival fantasy series, which, as you know, is just, like, a weird thing that I enjoy as an idea. I love magic in the modern world. Like, yeah, modern. <laughs> fantasy is always fun and i have a weird penchant in my heart for noir detective series and like gumshoe detectives basically just like all of that shit like give me gumshoey stuff or noir shit penny dreadfuls like if it's from like the 50s and 60s and it's kind of over the top in whatever genre it is because oh, let's face it all those genres are like go too hard to almost a campy degree on whatever genre they have chosen i kind of i enjoy it i'm kind of sad that the dresden files kind of lost the plot because like and i don't mean like lost the over story the overarching yeah. story is fine but like no, the lost... overarching story is arguably more plot at the end like lost the original idea of harry dresden private wizard for hire and that was like that was the that, that... was the thread that was the go-to selling point and then it's evolved into not so much wizard for hire that's a thing he used to do and now he has other things he has to do yeah there's not really a solve case by case thing try to make it from rent check to rent check i like i loved that like hook but that hook's a good hook it got me into the world the only it, problem is you can't write 20 fucking books with that being the only hook oh it's gonna be like 30 or 40 books by the time it's done jim butcher yeah, yeah yeah no i realize my point is you cannot write that many books with that being the only hook yeah yeah i mean you that could. is that is a tv serial hook uh, except the tv hook did it badly the, t- the tv if you hook don't, didn't do the tv hook right is if you don't remember we reviewed the dresden files sci-fi original tv show yeah. And it was bad. And it's worse once you've read the books. Dresden was played by Detective Lance from the Arrow series. That was good casting, it honestly. Was good casting. That was such a good casting. That's the main thing I remember from it. That and his apartment. Immediately, my brain immediately went, that doesn't look like the apartment for what I know of Harry Dresden. And then I read the books and I was like, that's not the apartment for what Harry Dresden is. It's also Bob. They just yeah. destroyed any aspect of what Bob was. Yeah. I love the Dresden Files a lot because because they're not great, because they're like, they're, they're like, they're such niche things like they're never gonna be like a classic that people are like oh have you read the wise man's fear which people say that that, because rothfuss as much as i don't like him as a a human being right now is a brilliant writer his Mm -hmm. his prose is fantastic his prose is amazing oh did i tell you a fan a fan theory about the third book no uh it's it's less about the the content of the third book and why we haven't got the third book so rothfuss's father was also a writer okay he wasn't like he he never became a prolific fiction writer or anything but he wrote for for a living I don't remember exactly what he wrote, but that's that's irrelevant to this. The point okay. being, sometime after the second book came out, and before Pat Rothfuss stopped communicating with his editor, that's a canon fact that for about eight years, yeah. his editor received nothing from him. Shortly before he stopped communicating with his editor, his father passed away. So the fan theory is that his father was actually the one writing the books? 
That is the fan theory. We'll never get a third book because Rothfuss isn't the writer. That's some crazy conspiracy level bullshit. I <laughs> yeah. <don't> like it. <laughs> it. It so is. I I don't like. There's more details I could I could like find the Reddit thread about it and pull it up. But like, oh, it, it makes my brain tickle in a way that's like, God, I, I hope if, if we don't get a third book, this is why. This is the reason I want us to not get a third book. <laughs> Because then there's actual explainable reason as to why. Yeah, that, that just makes sense instead of Rothfuss being Rothfuss. Yeah. <clears throat> but Doctor Who, you want to talk about Doctor Who? We're currently on Capaldi Doctor, 12th Doctor. We just finished season nine. We're halfway through season 10. Capaldi's the best doctor. Fight me. God, I thought Tenet was the best doctor. I, w- I was willing to fight a motherfucker for Tenet. And then Capaldi came along and was like, watch me tell the best stories as the doctor and not only portray the doctor the best, but like encapsulate every aspect of the doctor that yeah. Smith, Tenet, Eccleston and John gave him. And Matt Smith. Matt, I said Smith. Did you? I Smith, Eccleston, Tennant, and John Hurt. I didn't hear Smith in there. That was my fault. I missed the first thing you said. Which are the only four doctors I have, like, yeah. actual ground for. Because I haven't watched any classic who. Yeah. But he captures all of them so well. He's the first time a doctor's reincarnated. And I've been like, oh yeah, this is this is the doctor. This like, is the doctor, not only as the doctor, but the doctor having grown as a person from his past lives. And also, Clara's the literal best companion. Agree. Like, I prefer, mostly I prefer Rory and uh, Amy. Amy's story, mm-hmm. because her story is so good. Clara is the best companion because her companion story arc never doesn't follow the same trajectory of any other companion yeah. story arc. Yes, she does. She does end up falling in love with the doctor, and the doctor falls in love with her, which is a similar story to like Eccleston and Tennant's doctor with Rose. Yes, but it's not the same. The doctor falls in love with Rose because she represents what it means to be like a human and like be able something he cannot be. Yeah, Clara he falls in love with because he sees himself in Clara, and Clara falls in love with the doctor because she sees the doctor as somebody who she wants to be, and like they yeah. grow they grow towards each other instead of away from each other, which. God, and then like Heaven Sent and Hellbent, the the yeah. Clara's final episodes are like such a beautiful story about how you can you can be in love with somebody and you can love them, but you can't you can be the wrong person for each other. You can be yeah. so toxic for one another, like not in a way that like you treat each other badly, but in the way that you make each other do bad things. Yeah, just the way you actively enable each other to make the Worse empirically and- wrong choices. And it's so good. God, it's I love those two episodes. Like I cried during Hellbent. Yeah. <sighs> I, l- I noticed. I love Doctor Who so... Wait, okay, so I don't love Doctor Who so much. I When Doctor Who is at its best, it is one of the best TV shows ever written. I would agree. And Heaven Sent and Hellbent are Doctor Who at its literal best. However, when Doctor, when Who- Doctor Who is at its worst, it's like a two. It's never a, an absolute one because it has some production quality yeah. and story structure. But there are episodes where my brain goes, I never want to watch this episode ever again. There's episodes it's where a I, bad episode. There's episodes where I watch Doctor Who and I'm like, man, if I can see why if people saw this episode, episode they'd be like why do people like doctor who yeah and like, um for me one of those episodes is the fucking traffic jam on new 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 i think it's only three news or four news it's like 15 news it is 15 news oh. new York. Um, like, yeah that episode's bad too 100 it's a bad episode and i hate everything about it yeah it makes me go why do i why do i watch doctor who mm-hmm. the only good thing that happened to that episode is we see the face of bodai mm-hmm. and that's not even good do you know why do you want that it's not good because the, the rest of the episode is so shit it makes that unimportant yeah it, it's taking a super important moment in like the lineage of doctor who and putting in this terrible episode where you're just delivered a message from the face of Bo when we could have had a better story and also gotten the same message of face of Bo and anything because it's literally like tacked onto like the last two minutes it's like here you go yeah and now we've moved on to season 10 which means we have a new companion we do we have Bill and I'm really liking Bill Bill's been good so far she doesn't take doctor shit very much no which is good and she's also like 
the perfect straight man for Capaldi's humor. Agreed. I've enjoyed it a lot. She's like a... To compare her to past companions, like comparing the current Doctor to past Doctors, she's like a fusion of Rose and Clara. I could see it. She has a bit of Donna in her. Yeah. Calling the Doctor on his bullshit, which mm-hmm. was a very Donna trait. But no, I'm really enjoying Clara Bill. Clara did that too in the early run. I'm really enjoying Bill. I don't think she'll pass Clara as my favorite. Agreed. So that's sad for her, but... You know what else is sad? We're slowly running out of Capaldi episodes. Oh, we've got like half a season of Capaldi left, I think. Yeah, which, like, don't get me wrong, I don't mind a new Doctor, but I do hate to see Capaldi go. I've also... See, I want to say I've also heard terrible things about Whitaker's run as the Doctor. But I don't trust people. But it's very hard for me to be like, oh yeah, I've heard terrible things about Whitaker's run, and like, know if those are terrible, those are actual terrible, truthful things about Whitaker's run, or if that's people being sexist because they hate that the Doctor's now a woman. Because they were such a fucking blow up and then when it was even announced that a woman was going to be the doctor before we even knew who it fucking was it's the captain marvel problem again mm-hmm. that movie is fine it's a good movie yeah it's not the best marvel movie but it's fine it's definitely middling marvel mm-hmm. but the way the internet talked about it you would have thought it was like the worst thing marvel ever put out is the worst thing or the best thing <sighs> hate the internet yeah. i just want like honest reviews which is part of the reason why we do this uh, I, i'm supposed to be being honest on this shit fuck you can't say that in, in, an, episode, <laughs> in an episode where you actively roasted nintendo for giving you a game that is good yeah you can't be like oh no i'm supposed to be honest i've never been honest also tears of the kingdom why yeah. <laughs> what if i lied i don't feel that way about that game at all uh, you're just saying stuff to be controversial? I'm just saying things to be controversial. Very, very accurate things about the game to be purely controversial, but it's all a lie. And it's not meant to be accurate. I'm just scarily accurate about my lies. <laughs> so in other words, I have provided you an honest review objectively, but subjectively, it's a lie review. Okay. Well, well, fuck you. Uh, <laughs> not how that works. No, literally, it would still just be doing the honest review you want anyway, because by honest review, you mean an objective review. Well, not even objective. Sometimes subjectivity matters yeah but like like a subjective review but with enough objectivity in there that yeah because like, aware of the things of being like hey i didn't like this but this is why i didn't like it because my review of heaven sent and hellbent is a very emotional review mm-hmm. of that show that episode those episodes and emotion is by definition a subjective thing yeah but like if we had actually like reviewed those episodes, we would be talking about the beats, the way it- the fact that like before uh, before Heaven Sent starts, Clara dies in the episode before that. Yeah, and by the end of the two parter, she's alive again, and that is kind of anticlimactic. And mm-hmm. sorry for the plot spoilers for a seven-year-old eight-year-old episodes yeah like that that's anticlimactic and it does ruin a lot of clara's story because her dying there was because she fully embodied what the doctor was because it was very very important and it was like it was her doing what the doctor would do which means being willing to sacrifice herself without telling anybody it was very doctor-esque and like it made sense for her to die and then like the fact that she goes back to life which is also very doctor-esque fair enough she she so like if we're looking at her story as a parody of her becoming more like the doctor it does apply however it is anticlimactic to her personal story because she is indeed a human yeah so it depends on how we're choosing to look at the story but even talking about that two options as an aspect is more objective and you can also just be like but also it was a fucking great moment her death was a very heartfelt moment and then her coming back in hellbent like her the story the writing is very well done and despite the fact that it defeats the storytelling of her dying as a human 
it is still a very satisfying ending. Agreed. Also, they finally wrote me out. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, you were way too heavily involved. It was weird, man. Okay, no, so me is what a shoulder called. You know, I'm not going to even explain it. I'm not going to even explain it. <laughs> me is the name of a Doctor Who character, because Doctor Who is dumb sometimes. There's Doctor Who, and there's me, and those are both characters in the story. No, his name's not Doctor Who, he's just the Doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, Doctor Who is what people say. I'm aware. Yeah. But don't get confused by that. Doctor Who is dumb sometimes, but me- in the best way. Me is a functional immortal who has forgotten her own name and so just calls herself me. That that's the that's the long and short of it. Well, she hasn't forgotten her name. She had a she, <laughs> she no longer considers herself the same person as that person. And she technically did forget the name. She only knows the name because it's in her journals. Yeah, still remembers it because she's aware of the fact because she reads the journals. She has forgotten the original life that the name applied to, but she's aware of the fact that it is her name, though she has not forgotten her name. She has just forgotten any emotional connection to her name. Yeah, but yeah, so them writing me out was very, very good. Yeah. Uh, Macy Williams bad... is fine, but her character was rushed. Her character was pushed too hard and not allowed room to breathe correctly. For the she, her character that they tried to feels her. very coarse, very mm-hmm. rough. It literally feels like they kind of just shoved her character into the story. Yeah. They rushed the implementation of the character. Mm-hmm. Too many episodes like where she centered as a character too. Especially and like, back to back or so close to each other. And like, it's not just that she centers the character too often. It's that her character changes so much between appearances. Because it makes sense for that, but it doesn't make sense for her character to change so much when we, the viewer, are seeing her so often. Mm-hmm. It makes sense within the context of the story, not from the context of the viewer. Yeah. Yeah. Doc- about implementation. Man, I wish I could just tell people to go watch Heaven Sent and Hellbent and that they would get the emotional, like, but they wouldn't. resonance that I got from those. Because, like, it is Doctor Who at peak Doctor Who. Yes. I still think one of the best episodes for Doctor Who at Doctor Who is the episode with the Ood and the Asteroid. Yeah, yeah, that one's great. I think to get the emotional catharsis of Heaven Sent and Hellbent, you'd have to watch all of Capaldi's run up until that point. I would agree. And maybe a little more. Does Kara appear before Capaldi? I don't. Is Matt Smith still a doctor when Kara first appears? I don't believe so. If so, it's only like one or two episodes. I'm not Googling right now. If you were, I prefer you didn't say it so I don't have to edit out your sound waves later. She appears when Matt Smith is still doctor. Her first episode is Asylum of the Daleks, which is series seven, which features Amy and Rory and the Doctor being kidnapped by the Daleks. Yeah, like I said, she, if she does, it's only like one or two episodes because I know she shows up a few times before she actually becomes a companion. But yeah. as a companion, I think it's really only with Capaldi. And I don't think she has a lot of appearances with Matt Smith if she had any, which as you just said, she has at least one. It's saying on the Wikipedia that she was a companion for the 11th Doctor, which would have been after Rory and Amy settled down and had a child. Uh, I don't remember much of like ron matt smith oh yeah because like she had like an active crush on the doctor early on and like there was this jealousy aspect of her being jealous of the doctor picking amy over her because yeah that was the whole thing yeah i still think you only really need to watch the capaldi bits probably although getting the complete impossible girl story probably lends itself to like knowing clara better and like caring about her arc better yeah maybe so I think we're pretty much done with this. We are! Interstitial. Again, apologies for not having an episode on the second. We take an episode off every year. Uh, like I said at the beginning, I refuse to apologize. I know Mental you do. health is important. Yeah. And also, sometimes, you just be busy and forgetful. Uh, anyways, if you want to reach I'm out... busy. And... He's forgetful. Those are true things. I don't know how busy you are, though. Shh. 
I am forgetful, though. If you want to reach out to us, though, and contact us, let, let us know your opinion on any of the things we talked about, including Tears of the Kingdom, which I know, listeners, you have opinions about that game. And, and you they, all agree with me, because that is the only correct opinion. And they probably differ heavily from his opinions. You could do that by emailing us at copilotsreview at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter, the disgusting hellscape app that that is, uh, with the name at Copilots Review. Which is also our handle on the other one. Mastodon? Uh, not Mastodon. We haven't created a Mastodon because that's the, more... The B one. The B. Hive. Is that it? Yeah, it's Hive. Okay. And it, we have no Blue Sky because we're not popular enough to be invited on Blue Sky. If you if you have Blue Sky invitations and want to send one to us, we will take it. Blue Sky seems like less of a hellscape than Twitter, but functionally Twitter. Yeah, it seems like Twitter, but rewound like 10 years ago. It's because it's made by the same people that made Twitter. I'm aware. And like, honestly, that's just the best. Just sell yeah. your company, but not like the copyright to... Mm-hmm. Also, what, what is there to copyright? Twitter is just like the most basic... Yeah, it's just a post and repost thing. Yeah. Anyways, you can also find us at copilotsreview.simplecast.com which has links to our twitter our youtube our patreon our discord all of those things and other all the other ways to reach out to us but we want to thank you for hanging out with us in the cockpit and we'll see you on the next flight